You are are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super honored and excited for today's guest all the way across from the pond is Stephen Summers. He is the CEO and co-founder of Marketplace Superheroes, an eight-figure online education and services platform that teaches people how to build a five to seven-figure business selling simple everyday items globally using Amazon. Over the last seven years, Stephen and his business partner, Robert Rickey, have grown their company from a single online platform to an award-winning business with a team of over 100 coaches, support staff, and service providers, and close to over 10,000 members. Along the way, they've built a global freight company, an entire software ecosystem, and multiple seven-figure-based companies that are built to serve one purpose, helping their members build and scale their Amazon businesses efficiently and effectively as possible. Steve and Robert also own and run an eight-figure Amazon business and have sold well over $20 million worth of physical products globally. So super excited to welcome Steven Summers to Making Bank today. Josh, what a great honor it is to be here with you today. I've listened to many of your interviews. Here I am coming to you all the way from Little Wexford. It's a great honor. Well, super cool, man. Uh, always excited to talk to fellow entrepreneurs and you know understand what got you started. Uh, you know, I've everybody, you know, whether they were a kid sometimes, some people didn't happen until later in life yeah. after they've gotten through college or worked for multiple companies. What is that for you? Yeah, well, I certainly got started into entrepreneurship when I was pretty young, but you know, it wasn't like a full-time thing. I was mowing the grass or I was like, my dad would come home from work and he had these little pieces of wire, little tubes, and we used to put them on a string and sell them around the street to other kids and stuff like that. Um, so I definitely started young when it comes to entrepreneurship. I suppose when I was in my teens, then I played a lot of music. You know, I was trying to make it as a, as a rock star. You might have guessed, didn't work out, Josh. That's okay, though. <laughs> I'm over it at this point. But uh, yeah, I was trying to I was trying to do the music thing right up until I was in my early like early twenties, really. And so I guess I was being entrepreneurial then, but obviously it wasn't like paying my way. It wasn't like a full time thing or anything. And so what happened was when I was trying to make it in music, I actually ended up working as a data processor up in Dublin for a government department, which was just so boring. Uh, but, you know, I paid the way while I was trying to make right. it as a rock star. And when that didn't work out, you know, I was uh, like a lot of people, maybe some people who at one point uh, were in the situation where you just didn't know what to do next. So I guess long story short, uh, when I was about 23, I was introduced to this guy, Robert, my business partner today, and uh, I wanted to sell products on the internet. I'd never done it before, and he basically taught me how to do it. He gave me the opportunity to quit my job, move in with my aunt into her spare room, and we uh, he taught me everything he knew, and together we built up a really successful business selling on Amazon uh, without warehouses and staff and all of that using the FBA, the service on Amazon. And then in 2004, so that was, I started with him in 2010. 2014, we started Marketplace Superheroes, as you mentioned. And really we had no email list, no audience, 
two weird Irish guys who were still a little bit weird. And we just uh, started teaching people how we were successful on Amazon, how we built a seven-figure business and, and traveled the world doing it and all of that. And I guess, you know, long story short to today, we can unpack all the steps where, as you mentioned, at an eight-figure level now, we have Freight Company, we have all these other things. And we're actually now starting to expand outside of Amazon. We're teaching other things to the Marketplace Superheroes community uh, to help them uh, get to a place where we would like to have 100,000 small business owners in our community that we're serving. And once we do that, we'll shoot for the million. But for now, we're at 10,000 almost. We're 10% of the way to our first goal. That's awesome. No, and that, you know, and that's super exciting, you know, starting, I guess, you know, when you kind of get around it, I think at least when you're a kid and you kind of, and you start to pick up different little things, you know, that you end up applying later, or you realize, oh, wow, yeah, by me doing this and selling stuff on the street, I started to learn sales. And, yeah. you know, I think that's super cool. And whether, whether it's playing music and trying to sell yourself to, you know, get somebody to book you or, you know, be, be the next rock star and stuff. I mean, I think that's, you know, and, and playing music is huge in general anyways, because that's going to my, my kids play music too, and they own their own e-com businesses. So it's, I totally know right where you're, where you're coming <laughs> from great. and stuff and, you know, and everything. So I think it's, you know, fun and it, it creates that whole other kind of dimension. What were some of the, uh, maybe the couple of things as you look back yeah. that you picked up, you know, when you were younger that as you started to apply and, and build this other business, you're like, oh, wow, okay. I see how this, you know, connects now and, yeah. you know, and everything. Funny, funny that, I mean, I, I'll, I'll keep this brief because I don't want don't to take it too long. But, you know, when I was like uh, 10 years old, I love playing soccer. I'll localize it for our North American friends. I love playing soccer. <laughs> we call it football over here. But if I say football, right. there'll be a confusion. So it's all confusing. <laughs> so I was trying to get on the soccer team here locally, and I, I never could get in the team no matter what I did. And basically, uh, I was like standing on the sidelines for like a year, maybe even two years. And I said to my coach one day, well, my, actually, my coach one day, I turned up at a game with my parents. And coach said to me, you know, you can watch if you like, but you're not going to be in the squad today. So there's no point putting on your gear or anything. And I remember being so upset and going home and crying and just being like completely broken by this whole thing. And I remember my, my mom said to me, she said, like, you're going to let this person just tell you you're not good enough, right? And so I was like, well, I don't think so. She said, right, I want you to call him tonight and ask him why you're not in the team, right? There's a reason I'm telling you this. So I, ca I called him that evening. I don't know how. I was crying. I was upset and everything. I was 10 years old. And I, I, I called this guy and he told me, you're just not part of the winning combination, right? Now, some people might say, wow, he's nasty to this kid. But you've just been honest with me. You said you weren't good enough. And that is what uh, the whole summer after that, I worked my ass off getting better at soccer. I played every single day, night, right on the morning till nighttime. Long story short, that, that next year I joined a different team. And within a year, so when I was like 12, 11 years old, I was captain of my county here. I was like one of the top players in the country within like a year. And I guess the, the, the point is, that I forgot that lesson when I was working as in the music, when I was working as a data processor and the band stopped working, I forgot that lesson. And I forgot that I actually had all this resourcefulness and this ability to push on. And that it's been that determination and that resourcefulness 
has really helped me build with Robert, by the way, my business partner, helped us build every business that we've built. You know, we we even now at this point as an eight figure yearly business doing, you know, 15 to 20 million dollars a year in revenue across our network of companies. Like trouble comes up all the time and difficulty comes up all the time, but it's that sticking to the plan. I don't care what happens. I'm going to get through it. I guess that's been the biggest thing I learned from childhood. No, that, and that's super cool. I mean, that's a great lesson, you know, that you, uh, you know, took what, you know, and, and then figure out, Hey, you know, how to get better. I got to work at it yeah. and, and going out and hustling, you know, over the next year, nonstop, I mean, put you in a position now, you know, captain and, you know, one of the top people, you know, in your area playing, you know, soccer and everything. And so, um, which can be definitely huge. I mean, whether it's learning marketing, digital marketing, whether it's learning yeah. how to sell on Amazon, whether it's, you know, starting your e-com company and, and figuring stuff all out, um, that persistence and that drive of learning and to figure it out. Uh, what's is what separates you hundred percent yeah and i think as well the big thing for me and a lot of people here are not necessarily startup entrepreneurs you know they may be a little bit further on but many of us if you are starting or if you remember starting which was maybe a while ago for some of you uh like that's that's the big thing it's like learning pre-proven processes like going to people who've got the results you know a lot of people here i know listen to uh, Russell Brunson, and when he talks about, you know, about modeling people and funnel hacking, and that's it. Like, I mean, it's, it's the process of life, you know, no matter what you're looking to do in business or not business, you've got to go and find the correct strategy, learn how to do it, learn the tactics associated with the strategy, and then just get really good at executing it. And I suppose that's what I've done a lot of my life. And the reason I got my breakthrough with Amazon and that business was because I met Robert. I had to find the right person, the the who, not the how, right? And that really right. gave me my first breakthrough. And from there, like I've just been really fortunate because we live in a time, Josh, where people like yourself and others are publishing how they did it. And everything I've ever learned from webinars to email marketing to everything in between has just been because people have put out that information. I've just got good at doing it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I know one of the things you kind of mentioned, uh, and I think I read it when we were, when I was intro and everything, you've created your company, but then you've also started to stack yes. um, other opportunities along with that. Yeah. Um, a fulfillment center, right? Um, yep. Yeah. The freight company. Yep. And then, and then, yeah. The freight company. And then like a, then a software ecosystem, yes. obviously to help your members and everything else. Yes. Um, but I think that's one of the biggest things is when you can start to find other areas that may be uh, expenses and create them into areas of profitability, Yeah, I think is huge. So I yeah. guess kind of give us a little bit of insights sure. on why you did that and, and, and what that's all entailed. Yeah, I'd be delighted to. So, I mean, a lot of people listen to the show. You listen to the show. You might have heard, of course, about the three ways to grow a business from Jay Abraham, which is a very popular methodology being... The first way is to get more subscribers or buyers. The second way, increase your average transaction value. Third way, sell to your existing clients more frequently. So if anyone doesn't know that, that's what it is. And what I've really, uh, I guess, got really good at doing is executing that very strategy, that plan. Because I, it's my belief that most businesses, certainly in the internet marketing industry and actually every industry, even though those uh, really great lessons are out there, most companies are not doing it. Whereas we at Marketplace Superheroes 
we're really good at doing it. And another friend of mine who you might know, I think you might know, uh, Ben Adkins is another guy yeah. who I think is really good at doing that. And I learned a lot from Ben uh, a number of years ago about that. And so really what we've got good at doing is looking at our business and saying, well, who are we serving? Okay, well, we started out serving Amazon sellers. Okay, what are their biggest problems? And the biggest problem in the Amazon private label space has always been and will always be, uh, well, there's a couple, but the biggest kind of logistical problem is, of course, shipping in from China, if you are shipping from mm. China. And logistics in general is like a very big challenge. So we found most of our competitors just were happy, you know, selling a course and maybe some software, which is cool. But we said to ourselves, like, how are we going to separate ourselves for the long term? And that was to solve the freight problem. And so we've literally put millions into that freight business now. And it's doing very well. I think we're going to ship about five or six million units this year or something like that. Uh, so, it's, so it's doing very well. Um, but really, we just help people who want to ship a small quantity of goods do it at a level that's not ridiculously expensive. And that's where it led us to the ecosystem because we needed a way for people to like put their information in and place their orders in China and everything. And, and allow us as well to speak to the suppliers and do all that for our clients because, again, that's another thing. If you let the clients, if they have to learn like this lo international logistics from scratch, it's, it's a bit yeah. of a nightmare. So for us, it's it's like simplifying the process continually for our members just to make it really easy for them to learn from us and execute what we're teaching has been important. And then that ecosystem just led to so many other things like, oh, I need, a tr I need my listing written. I need translations done. And most companies we found would always refer those things out to different people. And we just thought, what if we don't refer it out? What if we build a system, an ecosystem that allows us that we can offer it all? And so that's what we've done. And it's really helped us grow pretty rapid, rapidly over the last number of years. And then when you mentioned stacking as well, like that would be, let's call it an opportunity stack within the same one. And now 2021, right. 2022 onwards, we are moving into more areas now because our audience like have said, yeah, I'm doing Amazon. Okay, well, is there anything else that I can do that makes sense? So we've really become the toll position there of like looking out and seeing, well, what are other opportunities that are that are related to this, but don't replace Amazon, but they're nice complementary opportunities. And that's enabled us just to keep building out our, our, our education business, our coaching business. And obviously, as we add in a new streams, let's call them or new, new, new tracks, we add in new services then. And so we're constantly building back ends and front ends to what we're doing while obviously keeping... A massive eye on are we actually helping these people rather than just selling something you know for the sake of selling it you know bitcoin cryptocurrency nfts investing is all an ever-changing landscape these days and for me the modern finance podcast hosted by kevin rose is a great place to listen to the latest trends in crypto and brush up on the fundamentals crypto isn't for everyone till you listen to modern finance Modern Finance is the crypto show for the novice and expert alike. Their mission is to demystify crypto and the world of NFTs without dumbing it down. True Venture partner Kevin Rose interviews top tech experts and entrepreneurs exploring the modern finance tools and helping others understand crypto, NFTs, and even traditional finance hacks. Modern Finance offers two shows on a single podcast feed, one weekly consensus episodes, that explores weekly news and distills it into digestible information. And then the deeper interviews, which I love, 
with individual crypto founders and NFT artists. Don't let your crypto guy friend be the life of the party. By listening to Modern Finance, you will feel well-equipped to discuss and understand the crypto and NFT landscape. Feel informed about your investments and don't miss out on the next big thing in crypto or NFTs. Join Kevin Rose on the Modern Finance Podcast every single week so you don't miss a beat. Ten years ago, some people called cryptocurrency a scam. Five years ago, people thought it was a fad. And now it's already over a trillion dollar market and growing. The Modern Finance Podcast helps you make sense of all the coins, NFTs, and chaos. Now is the time to equip yourself with the knowledge of where things are going. The financial landscape is harder than ever to navigate but you don't have to do it alone. Download and subscribe to Modern Finance wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Modern Finance wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't be the last person on the next train out. Listen to Modern Finance and get ahead of the future of finance. I mean, one of the things, I mean, when you guys were kind of looking at what these different opportunities might be or as, as you're positioning those, are you guys surveying your customers or are you trying to see more what the competitors are doing? I guess, yeah. what do you figure out what that right method is or what those right solutions are? Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, it's it's kind of uh, pretty obvious in our space. You know, it's sort of like uh, Dale, we have our Facebook group where we do a lot of uh you know, people are obviously posting questions and stuff like that. Sure. So you kind of see from those questions what people are asking for. Like just to give a simple example of something that's worked really well. Uh, so people will always be like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out whether this is the right product to sell or not. What do you think? And so we were like, okay, well, why don't we offer a service whereby we can have a member of our team do a video looking at the product that they're considering, breaking down whether or not it's a good market, is it too competitive, send back a video and like a little report. And that's something we can we can charge for because people want that additional help. So we call it a validation. And that's a really big service that we offer inside our, our tool now. So mostly it's just been users kind of asking questions and us looking at it going, we, re- we should really offer that as a service. We don't really survey very often, interestingly, because we just find most of it's you just given to us on a plate. And if we're willing right. to like sit there and listen to it, we'll, we'll get it right. But it's probably something we could do more of for where we're going to, uh, to be fair, but not something we've really done a lot of until now. No, and that's cool. I mean, you guys have been able to organically get that, you know, yeah. um, in, interest or where where you should start to look at. I mean, obviously, if that question's coming up a lot, <laughs> more than a couple of times, you're like, huh. I think we might be able to do something with this. It totally makes sense that we should. <laughs> You'd be surprised how uh, few people actually do do something with it, though. They kind of just keep letting it go, you know, rather than going, maybe we can turn it into a profit center, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it, I think you mentioned is you got to listen. You know, you, got, yeah. you said you guys listen, and I think that's huge. And a lot of times people are so focused on that track that they kind of miss that listening Part of it as well. Yeah. And, and I, a mistake I've made actually, which is sort of related to that, when we would make a lot of content for like YouTube and places like that, I think sometimes it's easy to just think, well, what do I want to make? Like, what do I think people need content on? Right. Versus like, what do they want to watch? They're two very right. different things. And I, I, I just really didn't get that. I mean, in in truth, like a lot of the content that's been our best content that we do, for example, would be, in my opinion, like really overly simplified. Uh, like I remember one time I said to my business partner, Robert, hey, we should make a video talking about 
you know, the best categories to research in on Amazon. And he's like, that video would take me like a minute. I'll just tell them this one, this one, this one, this one, and they're good to go. And I was like, no, like people want to see you click into the category, talk about it, you know, look, look around like it's there looking at it. And I know that sounds overly simplified, but I really do believe um, that in most markets, 80% of the market is a beginner, usually, not always. Right. And obviously, when you get into the high, high end, it's different. But in the most spaces where it's a broader thing, that's usually the case. Therefore, most of your content should be beginner orientated. Now, obviously, you can make more advanced stuff because you know you're going to attract that end of your list or your audience or whatever. But that was just a good lesson for me. Like, yeah, the people want just the very simple stuff because that's the stuff, that's where they're at. Like, they're most of the audience are not at the super high-end level just yet. And uh, yeah, that, that was a big lesson that I learned about YouTube specifically. Now, that's great because if you look at it, there's probably a half a percent of the people that are at the level of revenue and where you guys are and, you know, and things like that, yeah. where then you got the other 90% that are, I think it's under like a half a million dollars or no, I think it's under like a million dollars a year or something on Amazon. You know, most of them are well, not even doing that. But I think, I think in the U S like 3% of all businesses do over a million dollars, you know, in revenue. So, you know, certainly a lot of Amazon businesses are going to be smaller again. Right. So yeah, like yeah. I would say, most business, like in this internet world, you know how it is, right? We like, oh, seven figures and like we throw it around like, or even eight figures now, like it doesn't mean anything, right? Or $10 million, right. whatever. It's a big deal. Like, you know, not many companies hit that. Like, right. For sure. Yeah. Oh no, it's, it's yeah, definitely. What were, I guess, kind of like build, building this and I mean, you guys, you know, whether it was your Amazon, whether, you know, it's marketplace superheroes and stuff, what were some of the, you know, the a bigger, you know, one or two big challenges that we were like, oh crap, we almost lost this or, you know, yeah. like, man, that just almost put us under or whatever. And then kind of how did you guys work through all that? Yeah. Uh, interestingly, I, I would say one of those big things we had when we started Marketplace, Robert and I, we literally ran that Amazon business, just the two of us, you know, and like a, an assistant because Amazon did a lot of the work and continue to do so for ourselves and our mm -hmm. members on that side of things. So we had this idea like where we just don't want the team, like we don't want staff. We just want to keep things simple. And what we we learned was as we started going in and like teaching people this process and selling our first courses and things like that, we just we realized kind of quickly enough, we're going to need people here because without people, we can't do a lot of the things that we're going to be required to do, especially nowadays. We've like, I think you mentioned there are 100 on our team our team keep updating that every time we do a podcast it's like there's more people it's just ridiculous <laughs> but that's what happens when you're offering a lot of different things right so i think that was one of our big sort of challenges was like going we actually need people we need to hire people and mm. um, we got so many people wrong when we started doing that because like robert and i are like action oriented people we're like sales sure. kind of oriented guys probably you, you could you could say and so we're hiring we're like selling people on why they should work for us almost <laughs> even though like they're the ones coming to us saying they want to work for us right <laughs> yeah. so we made a lot of hiring mistakes and only over the last few years now uh when we got a, we have a full better executive team now they're the ones making the i don't hire anybody now because it would be a disaster if i hired everybody so stuff like that yeah. was the big one i suppose even going back like a long time ago, there was a number of times whenever Robert, like the old business, so he had a business uh, initially with another business partner, two warehouses, 
lots of staff doing the Amazon stuff when I first met him. And when we discovered, look, there's a better way of doing it. We don't need all of these uh, warehouses and staff. We can leverage Amazon fully, et cetera. Robert, that business partner was very difficult to work with. We wanted to start a new company. Mm. That was really difficult because we had to get rid of everybody and everything. So for about 18 months, I would say, like I was making like less than a thousand dollars a month because we had to put everything into Amazon, everything into stock to keep that growing. And I'm not going to lie. There was a couple of times during that period that I did feel like giving up because it was just like, this is just really difficult and, you know, wondering, was it going to succeed or not succeed? And yeah, like, so there's been plenty of times. There's been times when we flew to the U.S., Josh, for the first time because we wanted to make sure our container of stock landed in the U.S. correctly in Miami. Uh, we turned up to Miami. It was supposed to be there. Uh, it'll be there tomorrow. It'll be there tomorrow. Long story short, it never turned up when we were there. We had to go back to Ireland, completely wasted trip, wasted money. The whole, so I, we've, it's all happened. We've, it's all been, it's all happened. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, that, that's a, especially now who knows what all the logistics craziness that over the last six, eight months, that's yeah. at least here in the U S that we're, that we're seeing so. everywhere. Yeah. It's just been a crazy time. You know, it's, uh, it's just been a knock on a run on effect of this whole thing. And, you know, I'd say in the next year, two years, it should get a decent handle on it. And in the next two and a half to three years, it should be back to somewhere yeah. like where it used to be. But certainly this year, it's been significant. But, you know, everybody's in the same boat. No matter what business you're in, you know, if you're importing anything at all, you're in the same boat. No one gets any special treatment. So it's just part of and every business. There's like, you know, Facebook ads, right? You know, iOS updates and everything that's given some people a challenge. You know, there's always going to be challenges like deliverability and emails. It goes on and on. Right. But as entrepreneurs, we just got to keep adapting and rolling with the punches and figuring it out, you know? For sure. Uh, I mean, what was, you know, any major pivot that you guys had to uh, just in the last year, you know, with whether it's been logistics yeah. or whatever, you know, that you guys had to do um, just due to this, you know, yeah. um, craziness? Yeah, well, you know, we actually been pretty fortunate in that during COVID, like uh, the, the main lockdowns and everything, our business doubled in that time, which, you know, that's great. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. But then in some ways, you know, it was like, I prefer that we didn't have to have a pandemic for that to happen. Uh, you know, so it was good, but also weird. Cause there's moments when you're sitting there going, what's the point of all this? Cause I'm just sitting here in the house. But anyway, that's, that's kind of going away now, thankfully. Um, but, but, you know, so that was one thing, but yeah. then on the other side of that, now we're getting these, the freight effects. And so one of the things we used to do with the freight company was, we used to allow people to pre-buy shipping with us. So they would pre-buy space mm. on a future container. And it was a really, really cool thing we sure. were able to do to give people certainty on how much they would pay for their shipping and stuff. And obviously now with the like sheer unpredictability of the shipping rates, we've had to move away from that. So we've had to go to a place where when you're placing your order, we just quote you how much it's going to be for that amount of space that you're going to need to ship. It doesn't sound like a big change if you're in freight, because that's how it was always done. Whereas we were really um, doing something really innovative where we were help, like buying like cell phone credit. You were topping it up, you know? Um, so that was a little bit annoying, but it, it's not really like affected us. That, I suppose it's affected us in that, you know, the pre-bought freight that we had sold was, was, unprofitable you know and that's just uh and we obviously honored all of that because that's the right thing to do so all of that pre-bought stuff that would have been bought at much less than a cost now to ship 
we just had to deal with that. So that was probably the biggest thing that's impacted us over the last while. But, you know, like it's like anything, um, we've adapted. We've, we've had to add in a couple of little charges here and there to make up for it. But ultimately, you know, we, we still have a great service and everything. I'd say content-based now. I mean, I, I don't know if you've read this book, but it's one of my favorites. It's called uh, Ready, Fire, Aim by Michael Masterson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you if you've read, you may, you may have read that book. Have you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, I love that book so much. Uh, and one of the big things in that book, as you know, then is that there's the four levels of entrepreneur growth. And so looking at that, you know, I know in the level of growth we're at now, one of the big things we've got to do is we've got to add in new products on a fairly consistent basis from a educational standpoint and, and out of that. But we've really been conscious to like honor the fact that a lot of our members sell on Amazon as, as do we, and we still invest a ton of money in Amazon as are our members. But you know, the reality is as we've been able to add in different opportunities this year, a lot of people have jumped on those and done really well with them. They've been delighted to get involved with them. And it's allowed us as a company to expand, to not just talk about Amazon all day, which honestly, after talking about Amazon every day for the last like seven to 10 years, it's been nice to like add in some new stuff, you know? Right. Yeah. What uh, We got a couple minutes left. For our audience that has Amazon, I mean, obviously we have a, a good size Amazon store and things like that. What are like, maybe like, two or three takeaways, you're like, man, this is what's really crushing it. May, not product wise, but strategy, yeah. tactic wise, whatever that may be on Amazon, um, you know, to improve, increase sales and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think um, my answer is probably going to disappoint you a little bit because it really depends on what strategy you're employing with Amazon. Right. But I mean, if you're using Amazon, let's say you have a brand and it's an extra distribution channel, that's one way to go. We actually, a lot yep. of our members though, they're they're starting from scratch and they're basically looking at Amazon a little bit like a stock market and seeing what's the, what are the best products for me to move into now to get started. I would say though, if you're a brand, which probably a lot of people here are, uh, look with Amazon, it's gonna be making sure your brand registered. That's absolutely critical. If you're not brand registered, you should be. So if you're trademarked, you can get brand registered. It doesn't cost you anything. It'll just give you a lot more rights on the Amazon platform and a lot better quality listings and stuff like that. It'll also give you a lot of extra analytics that you're gonna need to make informed decisions on you know, what's not working on Amazon. I'd say the second thing, if you're an existing brand owner, is you have to consider where you want to send some of your own traffic to. So your internal traffic, for example, like, you know, you might, a lot of people will want to send that to their own store. But sometimes, a little bit like YouTube, it can be sensible to send some traffic to an outside platform because, hey, let's face it, they, they like getting traffic from other sources. And so it can help to have you uh, send some people over there to obviously establish some sales and improve your rankings over there and stuff like that. But I would say the biggest thing is brand registry, uh, like images and, and video now. So when you're brand registered, having quality video is a critical component of success mm. on Amazon. Okay. Years ago, it wasn't. But images, video, all of that, really, really important. Awesome. Hey, uh, guys, I hope you guys are really paying attention to what uh, Steven's been saying today. Uh, go back, watch, listen to this again. Uh, take those notes. We've dropped a lot of different things in this episode that can help you improve uh, where you are in your business, um, whether you're on Amazon, off Amazon, it doesn't really matter, as well as some of the different struggles that he's gotten through that 
can definitely apply to you wherever you are in your business uh, at this time and moment. So what's one last thing you're like, oh man, I was hoping Josh wanted to ask me this question or here's one last thing I just really want to share and let everybody know. Uh, yeah, look, I think that uh, for this for this particular audience, the one thing I just want to really emphasize is uh, for those of you who have your own clients, sell more things to your existing clients. It is the easiest and quickest way to grow your company, put more money in your pocket. Most entrepreneurs are awful at doing it. It's something that we're really focused on now with uh, stuff we're working on in, in a new company. But for me, if you can just do that and focus on that, you will be thanking me. So put together a Black Friday promo with a new offer. Think about it, put something together, even put some of your old stuff that you don't sell anymore, put it together in a bundle, sell it, get a little email sequence behind it. And that that's one of the biggest things I just want to make sure people take away today. Awesome. Uh, Steven, thank you for coming on Making Bank. Uh, super honored to have you here, share some really awesome uh, insights and ideas and background and all that. So thanks again for uh, coming on the show. Thank you, Josh. I really appreciate it. I am Josh Felbert. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.